I think historically the female neck is a very sexual um, part of the body. It's a very amorous part of the body. And I think that's probably where it all stems from. Um, I, I've got a theory about this as okay, well. Okay, go on then. Um, Don't like a good neck? <laughs> Who doesn't, right? <laughs> Hello and welcome to uh, Geek Sweat. Uh, I'm Stephen and this is a new... Um, a new section that we're going to be starting today, looking at different um, horror cinema from different countries around the world. I think I'm going to call it um, Terror Terror, because uh, Terror as in the uh, Latin word for Earth, and Terror as in Terror. I mean, that might so, change. Terra Terra. <laughs> terror Terror. Terror Terra. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bit of Latin there. So that's, that's quite classy for us, I think. And for us, that is very classy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've just raised the time. And we're going to start with everyone's favourite country, Germany. Um, Germany is very important in the um, in how in the, in the uh, origins of cinema, and um, especially as we're going to be talking about horror in this series, um, Germany is kind of the obvious place to start, and that's because of um, the, the Weimar Republic. The Weimar Republic was Germany between after the First World War and before the Second World War, well up to Hitler got power. And during that time, Germany got Germany had a really bad... Um, uh, should I introduce you before I kind of wit yeah, on to myself? I was waiting for it, but I kind of thought, well, you're on a roll. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. James, uh, ja- obviously, Jamie's here, because... Hi, James. Yeah, hi, everyone. Hi, Dominic. You're here as well. <laughs> hi, Stephen. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. I'm all right. Yeah. Um, I was just on a little monologue about Germany, so I might I get back to it. I think once you mention Hitler, <laughs> that's a sign you've gone down a rabbit hole. <laughs> so anyway, Germany is very poor around this time. Their, um, their, uh, their currency have been basically devalued. Um, their film industry, which is what we're going to concentrate on, was kind of... It, they weren't allowed, uh, no one was buying German films because one, they were Germans and didn't like them because you just beat them in the war and everyone was kind of like, oh, don't. So there was no like export money to made from exports to America or uh, or Britain. And um, also another reason why uh, people didn't want German films was because they were afraid that they were better than, what the, than the films that, you know, already in that, so Americans were worried that the German filmmakers were better than their, theirs and they didn't want the competition. Um, so that was another reason. And so Germany started making loads and loads of films for itself because they couldn't export them. They couldn't import films from other countries. So you get this kind of concentrated um, era of filmmaking when they're making loads and loads of films. And although German Expressionism is the most famous one of these um of the um, different uh, styles they tried out. It actually wasn't the most popular. The most popular was the romantic stories that were... Um, romantic stories that were made. But the most um, influential is no doubt German Expressionism. And German Expressionism comes from basically from the art... art um, uh, you know, from um, Expressionism, the painting style and the architecture style... And it's all about kind of, it's not about, it's the op- opposite of realism, expressionism. It's about representing a subjective point of view. It's about, some people say it's, it's about angst. It's about 
fear, it's about identity, and it all feeds into the kind of paranoia of Germany after the um, after the First World War. Um, up to 1922, and in 1922, the export ban was lifted, and so films were kind of, they could finally export films to other countries and um, um, import films too. But this was good because German Expressionism then became uh, very influential in, in filmmaking around the world, and especially before Hitler came to power, when all the German direct, most of the German directors kind of decamped from Germany and kind of fled to the West, either to Britain or to America. And so these German expressionistic techniques were, um, you can see them in so many hot, um, films, even up to the present day. I mean, I'll go into that a bit later. I mean, the most famous kind of modern uh, exponent of expressionistic cinema is probably Tim Burton. So with Tim Burton, he does the um, kind of um, uh, sort of the, the, the weird kind of angular sets, the kind of that don't quite don't quite straight, and um, the um, uh, um, the, the same focus on kind of outsiders and kind of focus on death and uh, and fear. And so I'm going to now talk to. Uh, Jamie and uh, Dominic, because I feel like I've gone on way too long here. Um, so I asked them to watch, as an example of German Expressionism, I asked them to watch uh, Nosferatu, the 1922 F.W. Murnau version of Dracula. Um, I'm going to ask them about it, and then I'm going to tell you some stuff about Nosferatu. But first of all, Jamie, I got hey, do you remember you're doing a podcast and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for a gap so that I, I don't... Uh, yeah. Talk over you. So, so you so you watched Nosferatu. How did you find Nosferatu? You know what? It was a it was a for me. It was yeah. a bit of a hard watch, mainly because because it's a silent film. You have to watch. You really have to watch. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you have to read all the bits in between. So you really couldn't take your eyes away from the screen. No. So for me, it was a hard watch, mainly because I I normally kind of do other things while I watch. What, you know, what's your shows. um? What's your history of watching silent films have you watched many before yeah maybe two or three maybe not just, many yeah. not many okay not many and, i mean so it's hard to concentrate obviously there's no kind of fast editing like today it doesn't i mean it does move at quite a pace i think Nosferatu. it's not it's not it doesn't hang around stuff happens and carries on but i can see what you mean it's kind of it's more like i suppose silent films are more like kind of paintings come to life slightly you know? yeah and you really so, have so to pay attention kind of like it's all the setups are kind of Murno. that's one of his strengths was how to set up a frame and kind of you know really get the most out of set direction because in that time in um german expressionism it's probably the set designers were just as important as say the directors or the actors or the writers because the set design was the thing that everyone saw in it Thing that kind of influenced most the kind of ex uh, people that would use expressions. Yeah, and I also find um, that because it focused, well, because it was a silent film, you didn't have um, any voice voiceover or you know sound from the actors. You really only had background music, and so a lot of the acting was very theatrical. Yeah. Very over the top to kind of get the point across. Um, so that's that was interesting. Um, but that's probably, not not unexpected though, given that it's a silent film. Yeah, and that's probably got a lot to do with the fact that um, uh, the actors, first film actors, were primarily theatre actors, where you do express an emotional yeah. stage to kind of get your point across. 
And they actually saw film as a little bit of a step down. They didn't really see what the point of it was. Their whole lives were the stage. Yeah, the stage yeah. was the important thing. Yeah, I it's get only that. when they started to realise that maybe that, um, oh, people could see me forever now. Then the kind of film kind of, oh, all right, I can do this. Dominic. Hi, Dominic. Hi, Stephen. Uh, again. Say something now, about, about an hour in. <laughs> um, so, you watched Nosferatu this week. Have you seen it before? I did. Um, I have not seen it all the way through. Um, okay. Was it a hard watch for you? Um, initially, yes, but I did find myself getting into it. And I was thinking, in a way, it's not dissimilar from modern films in the fact it's 90 minutes long. Probably the plot points happen at similar beats as yeah. they would yeah. in a modern I'd film. I agree with that, yep. And in a weird way, it's, I've seen the Nosferatu character so many times, and it's obviously been parodied so many times. But it's actually quite resistant to parody. When yeah, you yeah. see him in the context of the film, it's still really, really strange. He is, he is. Um, and there, there's a kind of power to his physicality and just the makeup design. It's so feral, like the rat teeth. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's modelled on a bat, isn't it? The, the ears are bat-like. Yeah, yeah and his teeth. Because I'm pretty sure it is modelled on a bat. Because, of course, um, Nosferatu is basically the story of Dracula and the reasons why it's not called Dracula. I mean, there are a couple of theories about this. There's a theory that, you know, they changed the names to stop the Bram Stoker's estate, the writer of Dracula's estate, from suing them. That didn't work anyway because they were sued and all copies were destroyed, apart from a copy that had gone to America. But the copy in America had had the subtitles changed, obviously, into English. So they lost the original subtitles for years and years, and they were only found in the 90s, I think, that they actually found the original German subtitles. Then up until then, the actual subtitles that had been shown on Nosferatu in Germany were translated from American subtitles of, you know, of, of the original print of the film. And because it, it was destroyed, um, it's been kind of, it's had a weird life of being kind of, it was destroyed and then it's been put back together again. There are different, there was obviously the, um, uh, the copy that went to America, but I don't think that had the colour tints that the actual original film had. It was still just a black and white version. Because Nosferatu itself is, it's not actually black and white. It has like blue tints and then seen in red tint. It's kind of... There's a sepia in there yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I also asked um, Jamie and uh, Dominic to watch Shadow the Vampire, which is a semi-fictionalised account of the making of Nosferatu, just to get a kind of idea of, of how filmmaking was then and kind of the um, what they went through and how, how it's different from today. And just look at it a bit. Because the thing about Nosferatu is that because it died and came back to life as a film, it kind of mirrored its own hero. And and so Shadow of a Vampire takes that and kind of uses it to make this kind of um, uh, allusion to kind of F.W. Murnau being the real vampire of, of this movie. And um, What did you think of Shadow of a Vampire, Jamie? Um, I probably... I found that easier to watch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mainly because it was sound. <laughs> Um, But I've never really been a huge fan of Malkovich. Um, However, also, interestingly, it took me a while to realise that Nosferatu was being played by um, William Dafoe as well. Because, yeah, yeah, just the makeup was just really good. Um, I I didn't really recognise him. 
um, until kind of halfway through the film was like, where is he? Oh, right, he's Nosferatu. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed that. Um, it was an interesting way of kind of looking at how the film was made, um, even though half of it was probably fictional anyway. Yeah, I don't think Max Schreck was actually a vampire. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but it was an, an, an interesting film. I enjoyed it. Um, it was just... Yeah. Did, did did you enjoy the scenes of them making you know they're all standing around like doctors with their big white coats on? Like, yeah, I thought that like was a... weird. It was like, why are they wearing lab coats? <laughs> Is, was that a thing back then? I don't know. I suppose it's, I mean they were film is something you process in a laboratory. You wear lab coats to. I, I assume that's why. Dominic, would you any thoughts on this or shadow of the vampire? Shadow of the vampire. Um, in general, um, it was interesting. I did like the sort of recreation of how they made it. Um, like the scene where Murnau and his cinematographer were side by side and they were hand cranking the film yeah. in unison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the kind of technical challenge that you just wouldn't have today. Yeah. And um, as the, I mean, Nosferatu was the first ever uh, full length version of the Dracula story. I mean, it is the Dracula story. There is a different ending, which they, I think they, put on in the hope of again avoiding being sued but obviously that didn't work um so, so uh, uh, i i nosferatu is probably in if you go on imdb and look at the uh uh connections uh list on that you'll see it's the longest list ever you, basically every film you ever heard is some at some point references nosferatu i think the um the, the ship in alien is called nosferatu is it Nostromo. Nostromo, no, it's Doc, Doctor Who. In Doctor Who, Savlon Glitz's um, uh, ship is called the Nosferatu. But, I mean, it's, it's been referenced in so many films over the years. Um, can you name a couple here? And, uh, we've got well, Night- obviously, like, every other version of Dracula. Every other version of Dracula. And it's interesting, this vampire, Dracula becomes... Later on, he becomes more of a kind of suave, sexy figure, whereas Nosferatu just keeps him as the kind of rat, rat man. Um, what did you think about that decision? I mean, there's no, there's no romantic heart to, like, there's no real because later, like, say, Bela Lugosi or Christopher Lee, Dracula's, they kind of have a sex appeal about them, and Nosferatu has none of that at all. It's kind of the very. Um, Interestingly, I I watched the 1979 version of Nosferatu oh, yes. as well. Oh, yeah, you did extra research for it. Well, no, <laughs> I just watched it. Well, actually, I say I watched it, but I skimmed through a lot of it. Um, interestingly, the original 1922, the lead female was called Ellen. Yeah. She wasn't really that sexualised, but in the 1979 version, she was yeah. more sexualised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then by, you know modern day when we're talking about um what was the one that Keanu Reeves and um uh that was uh, right it was called Bram Stoker's Dracula the Francis Coppola film from 1992 yeah she was quite sexualized and there was a lot of um just the whole kind of romanticism why do you think that might be why do you think romanticism of the vampire has become romanticism of the vampire um has become of way to do it. I think historically the female neck is a very sexual um, part of the body. It's a very amorous part of the body. And I think that's probably where it all stems from. Um, I, I've got a theory about this as okay, well. Okay, go on then. Um, Don't like a good neck? 
<laughs> Who doesn't, right? <laughs> but um, the Francis Coppola film, it seemed to me that he tried to split the difference between sexy Dracula and subhuman Dracula, because when you first see him, he is like the Nosferatu, and then yes. he becomes youthful. And that seems to be like the third way to do Dracula now, yeah. is to split yeah. the difference. He starts out aged and becomes younger. Yeah, and he come, becomes younger after feeding. Yes. That was the, the main thing. Okay. But my theory is, um, obviously, the two most different versions of Dracula, I think, are the first two, the Bela Lugosi and Nosferatu. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd yeah, be yeah. hard to adapt one book in such two different ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And apparently, um, the Hollywood Dracula was going to be played by Lon Chaney, who was famous for his makeup effects. Yeah. And had Lon Chaney done it, I think it would have been closer to the German expressionist Dracula, and he would have been more of that rat man, subhuman character. Mm. And because they eventually went with Bela Lugosi and played it on the stage, he became the suave character. So that was responsible for taking it in that direction. And then the Christopher Lee Hammer films really ran with that interpretation. Yeah. yeah. So we talk about a slightly controversial subject. Is Nosferatu racist? Is Nosferatu a uh, representation of Slavic people or, or Jewish people coming from the East? after the First World War? And is it about Germany's fear of immigration and the other? <laughs> and is that also just implicit in Bram Stoker's novel? Is the, what, what, what do you think the vampire is uh, a symbol of in your view? I mean, there's no right answer to this and there's no right answer, to, even in just the novel, there's no right answer to what um, I've seen. I've seen some... Um, uh, references to there's actually about syphilis, and that a vampire is syphilis, and but there's also the fact that it could be Jewish or it could be immigrants. Um, do you have any thoughts about this? Just going from going going from Nosferatu. No, 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 I don't. I never looked at it in that um, from that angle. Okay. I mean, like for me, Dracula has always existed as a horror character, as a yeah, you know, something you know that is historically feared you know yeah, just, I mean, just a non-human perhaps they've shaken off their racist beginnings to be, sort of transcend that and not be tied to that i do wonder if you have to have known about those early beginnings to kind of latch onto it but i'm certainly not um weary of them you uh, any views on that you don't I felt like maybe in the Murnau, the 1922 Nosferatu, he was thinking about Spanish flu because that yes. had killed millions yeah. and oh, millions yeah, of a, people yeah. just, you know, three or four years previously. Yeah. Yeah, because you have, you have the scene kind of, you know, where they realise that there's going to be a plague and the townspeople come out and they're all looking out the windows. And it, it was very um, pressing about, for today. It was kind of, oh, wow, well, I couldn't have picked a better film to start with. But... um. <laughs> uh, have have you seen any other? Um, I assume you might have, Dominic, seen Metropolis or. I've seen Metropolis, Cabinet which is Doctor an amazing Batman. film. It yeah. stands up really, really well. Better than you could imagine. Yeah, yeah. And that is an, and science fiction. Yeah. Dominic Spagianism is science fiction. Yeah, it's, that's an amazing film. I've seen Dr. Caligari, which is. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's an important film in the history of cinema. I think, Jamie, you might struggle with it a little <laughs> bit based on what you've said Thanks. today. I'm a little simple. <laughs> no, it's just not your taste. It's, you know, we've all got different tastes or slightly different tastes. 
and of course, I like the, um, the, the thing of German Expressionism is obviously, like saying, the influence it had on especially horror and especially film noir in the America in the 50s when German directors were working there. But it also had a big influence on Alfred Hitchcock, who worked in Germany for uh, AFB, I think, during the 20s and really soaked up uh, the kind of German way of making films. And Actually, there was one bit that reminded me of Hitchcock. Okay. It's the bit where, um, um, I've forgotten her name in the film, but the character who is um, the wife points and um. then it cuts to... Nosferatu in the block opposite, and I yeah. thought that was so much like Rear Window. <laughs> it's a bit Scooby yeah, yeah. Doo as well with the hands out front, you know, when she's kind of like fleet walking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it predated Scooby Doo as well. So. <laughs> well, yes, but it's still, you know, that's my era. Scooby Doo. So. <laughs> you should try watching it with some Scooby Doo sound effects. <laughs> so, um. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Jamie, are you interested in watching more German Expressionism, or have you? Do you like Tim Burton films? Because Tim Burton is the obvious person. He's the obvious director working today. Has been influenced um, massively by German Expressionism. Um, I'm I'm up for being educated. Okay, <laughs> but it's that's not to say that I'll enjoy all of them. I'll, but you know, exposure is you know part of the learning process. So. I'm not too worried about watching more silent films or expressionism-type films. Um, Tim Burton, for me, he's always, it's always been a bit wacky, his films, for me. But that doesn't mean I don't enjoy them for what they are. Yeah. Which is kind of like quite gothic fantasy-type type films. And even his um, animations, quite cool. Okay. Uh, Dominic, um, you're... you're uh, feelings on German Expressionism. Uh, have you watched a lot or uh, are you interested in watching more? Or? Yeah, I'd definitely like to see more. I have seen another Murnau film that he made in Hollywood called Sunrise, which oh, is also okay. incredible. So. Um, yeah, so yeah, I didn't really go into Murnau too much. and He's quite an interesting guy. He was homosexual and um, this kind of... It caused him a lot of pain for his life, I think, and... But and he died in a bizarre way. He was in Santa Monica, California. And he needed to get to New York, so he went to see his um, psychic, and she told him not to travel by land to New York. So he booked a steamboat instead to go all the way around. But he um, he crashed his car and died on the way to the boat. <laughs> and that was the end of F. W. Murnau. Uh, <laughs> which is bizarrely like something that would happen in a nineteenth-century <laughs> novel. Yeah, <laughs> died on the way to the boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. Okay, so that was my brief um, look at German Expressionism and Nosferatu and the beginnings of the vampire movie, definitely. And also, I mean, there had been horror films made before, but this was the first full-length proper horror. This was kind of, this is the beginning. This is why I started here. And now I'm just going to shoot off in different directions because... I'm not going to be really tied to a timeline, but I think Nosferatu is a good place to start. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Dominic. Well, thank you for having me. No problem. And thank you to Jamie. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, I've been Stephen, and um, we'll see you again next month where I think I'm going to go to Japan. Sounds good. Nice. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.